0: Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. We've been in a series that we've been calling Homewreckers. Homewreckers, looking at the multiple threats facing our families today that have the potential, again, to slam into the very foundations of our lives and our families and cause irreparable damage if we don't notice it, and if we don't take care of these things. If you missed any of these uh, uh, messages, I encourage you to go back. It's on Facebook. It's on YouTube. You can go back and listen to the messages. Um, Last week, specifically, we talked about the wrecking ball of lack of discipline, Lack of discipline. And we said lack of discipline in a couple areas, doctrinal truths, uh, that the, we just don't know what the Bible says. <laughs> and so when anything comes across, you know, anybody quoting any type of scripture or whatever, they could be quoting it totally out of context, but because we don't know it, we just go along with it. So we need to know what the Bible says and be, and be, and be able to, to share it. We have, uh, we, need to, we have a lack of discipline in doctrinal truths. We have a lack of discipline in, in identifying godless myths, i.e. Uh, uh, evolution. And, 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 you know, just a simple question is, what is a woman? <laughs> you know? Listen, everyone asks you that. Uh, just say it's an adult female, okay? It's not that complicated. Not that complicated, all right? Why people can't answer that. Um, and we also know that not everything that glitters is gold. And so the things that so-called pastoral science today are not science, but they're science fiction. And then the need, we need discipline and the need to walk in godliness. Are you a are what I call a Sunday morning Christian? About the rest of the week, it's full of compromise in the terms of your attitudes, your behaviors, the things that you are watching and or going to. Um that's a problem. It's a problem. And so God wants us to be the, the same people all the time, um, godly people. And this is why he says that. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, what does it say? Is it up there? I'm going to say it. It says, Train yourself. Train yourself. Whose job is it? Turn in telling someone, telling someone say, It's your job. And it's my job as well to train myself. It says, train yourself to be what? To be godly. To be godly. And so it's not automatic. It takes some effort. And then it says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, all things, all things, holding promise for both this present life and the life to come. In other words, we put a lot of emphasis, and this world puts a lot of emphasis on physical training. For today, you got to stay in shape. Gotta, you got to eat the right. You got to lose weight, and all that stuff is good. But again, if you stop there, you've you've aimed low, and you're going to hit your target. The Bible says that it has some benefit, but uh, training in godliness has value for, uh, for all things, holding promise for both this life and the life to come, because it you know. Clean living benefits us. Amen? It benefits the choices we make. It it strengthens our marriages so we don't get into foolish things. Um, When you decide that you are going to, since, you know, God made you holy, you're going to act that way. You know, you have benefits in this life. And, of course, the life to come is, you know, the Bible says we have an eternal spirit that will live forever somewhere. Right? You're either going to live forever in the presence of God or you're going to live forever. Um, eternally separated from him that's how powerful the the, the spirit of God is when the Bible says God breathed into Adam and that spirit that spirit goes on forever right the physical falls to the ground ash to ashes dust to dust but your spirit your soul the the you within you the real you is going to live forever somewhere And and, and the question is where and it's really your choice and so Jesus had a lot to say about that. Now, the New Living said it this way in 1 Timothy 4.8. says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is, it, it is much better, it says, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. We all need to live a godly, self-disciplined life. Now, having said that, today's message, I believe, is the much-needed other side of the same coin. So Self, if self-discipline is one side, let's say it's heads, the tail side of that coin is grace. Someone say grace. grace. You know why we need grace? Because none of us are perfect. None of us always does what's right all the time, okay? And God knew that. And nobody wants to be under a graceless system and so the wrecking ball we're talking about today is the lack of grace. And it happens oftentimes. I see it in homes. I see it in churches. I see it, uh, you know, just with people who are super critical of other people. Discipline speaks to standards and rules and expectations. But if you leave grace out of that equation, it's a recipe for disaster. We've all heard the statement, rules without relationship equals Rebellion. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. That's why with the, with the young people, oftentimes even as a youth pastor, I just spend time getting to know them first. And after you get to know them, you build a relationship, you can pretty much tell them anything. But if you come in, you, come in, you know, like you know, Johnny down the block and they don't know you from a hole in the wall and you try to slap on rules on them, you're just going to get rebellion. Well, in the same way, rules without grace, rules without grace, equals embitterment and discouragement. Embitterment and discouragement. That's why in Colossians 3.21, it gives these instructions to the fathers. It says, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. The message says it this way, parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you will crush their spirits. In other words, if your house is one of those all gray and no play places to be, that's to say you're all about the rules and standards, and if you break my rules and standards, watch out. There's going to be a problem. If if you're a man out there today and your wife has to walk around like a Stepford wife, you, you know the Stepford wives, right? They're all pretty on the outside. They got dressed up. They're doing the right thing, acting the right way, nothing to see here. And you're raising little Stepford children. And if anybody steps out of line, there's literally hell to pay. If that describes your house, that's a problem. You see, people will grow up under that kind of system. People people who grow up under that ultimately end up rebelling or being crushed by it. Why? Because they have no place else to go. It's unsustainable because no one is perfect. No one is. Your wife may be beautiful and she wears the right outfits and all that other stuff, but I don't care how pretty she is. She's not perfect. You may have Landed yourself a hunk of a fella and, you know, he's got the six-pack abs and he's got a six-figure whatever. But I promise you, he is not perfect. And if you manage to reproduce and those children come out, they won't be perfect either. My children are perfect. No, they're not. They're not. All right? You know why? Because they come from two imperfect parents. And so when you put a bunch of imperfect people together, guess what you're going to get? Imperfections. And if you slap a bunch of unsustainable rules on top of that, that goes with churches as well, unsustainable rules, it's not a matter of if they fail, it's a matter of when they fail. And if grace isn't there, you're going to have a problem. We are going to have a problem. And if you fail enough times, you'll eventually just throw up your hands And you stop trying because you realize you can't do it consistently at all. So you quit. Or you go from the the other side of that. You go from trying to lying, i.e. pretending or I call it putting on your mask. Nothing to see here. Everything's fine. How you doing, brother? I'm blessed and overcoming. You were just fighting on the way to church this morning. You had an argument just setting the alarm off. (laughs) <laughs> you know, rolling out of bed. Who's gonna get the kids ready? It's your turn. It's your turn. It's my turn. It's this turn. Where's the clothes? When you get here, all of a sudden somebody sprinkles pixie dust on you, and nothing to see here. Everything is fine. How you doing, Brother Sob? I'm blessed and overcoming. It's only the honest person to tell me honesty. I'm, I'm struggling, Pastor Rick. I'm having a hard time. I blew up on this one. I'm not proud about that, but under a rules-based system, you're afraid to, to go there, and so you pretend, and you put on a mask. It reminds me of uh, Peter, who, who at some point thought he had to be perfect, and when Jesus announced that he was going to um, you know, that it was on the eve of his crucifixion, and he turns to his disciples and he says, all of you will fall away and of me. And Peter stood up and he said, not me, Lord. Everybody else will fall away from you, but I'm not going to fall away. He says, no, yes, you will. And he says, no, no, I won't. Even though I have to die for you. And the Lord looked at him and said, Peter, Peter, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times today. And we all know what happened. And when it happened, yes, he denied the Lord, not once, not twice, but three times. The rooster crowed that second time, and he realized. I could imagine just at that moment, because he was watching as Jesus was being brought uh, and, and mistreated. And, and when that rooster crowed, I, I could imagine Jesus' eyes turned in the crowd and met his eyes in the crowd. And he says, and he went out and wept bitterly. But the good news is that after his crucifixion and his resurrection, and as he appeared to the over 500, the angel, remember, told the, told the girls, he says, go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter to meet me where I'm going to be next. He had to specifically tell Peter because Peter, in his mind, he blew it. Lord's not going to have anything to do with me, but the Lord says, you know what? I love you. I know what I'm getting. There's grace for you as well. Amen? And Peter, who would deny Jesus three times on the eve of his crucifixion when he needed him the most, Lord chose Peter to become the head of his church. Come on, someone say that's grace. That's a beautiful thing. That's why I have a problem with some of my Christian brothers out there who preach that you can lose your salvation based on personal sin including sinful thoughts and behavior so so whenever there's an altar call <laughs> you go into these churches and you think oh man there's a flood to the altar and the, but you realize it's the same people coming down every week getting saved over and over again because they're being pro- they're being taught the law and the law says that soul that sin shall die and they've sinned. They're honest about it. They, they, they said something. They looked at something or whatever. And so every Sunday they're running to the altar because there's no assurance of salvation. A lot, a lot of the Pentecostal churches are that way. Uh, I, and, and, and my problem isn't necessarily with the ones who keep running to the altar for salvation under that system. My problem is the folks who feel like they, they've somehow arrived and, and, and they don't sin anymore and they don't mess up from time to time, even in their thought life. You see, if that's what you truly believe and if you're intellectually honest at all, you should be at the altar all the time. There's not a week that goes by that you don't mess up in some way, form, or fashion. Come on, somebody. And if that's the system you're taught under, eventually you're going to conclude that if sinless perfection is what I have to do to stay saved, I can't do it. And oftentimes in those systems, people will just walk away. They put a load on them, they put the law on them, and no one can live up to the law. The soul that sins shall die. But the ones who don't run to the altar, again I'm more concerned about them because they think they will have it all together. They're even more deluded. Now concerning salvation, the Bible is clear. It's not about works. Come on, somebody. It's about grace. It's about what God has done through his son Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this, help me out, somebody, not from yourselves. It's not from yourselves. It is a what? It is a gift of God. Help me. Not by works, so that. No one can boast. The New Living says it this way, God saved you by a special favor when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done. So none of us can boast about it. The message breaks it down even further. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it, And it's God's gift from start to finish. So we don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we had done the whole thing. And so it doesn't matter what version of the Bible you read. How many you know it all says the same thing? Salvation is not by works. It is a gift of God and we do nothing to earn it. Nothing to earn it. So my question to you today is if we do nothing to earn God's grace, what do we have to do to keep it? Getting quiet in here. Nothing. You've done nothing to earn it. You can do nothing <laughs> to, 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 keep, to hold on to it because it's a gift. It's a gift from God. Now, Now, people were telling me, well, Pastor Rick, that's not true. I mean, the Bible talks about people falling from grace. And the Bible does talk about people falling from grace. But if you read it in context, it's not talking about what we think it's talking about. This person has sinned so many times or have gotten so low. It's the pimp. It's the prostitute. It's the person who committed murder that they've done something so egregious to God that they've fallen from grace. That's not the context in which the, he uses the term fallen from grace. Falling from grace in the Bible means you have rejected God's grace and you've gone back to following the law. And the person who thinks that there's some other way to to being uh, redeemed by God by your own good works when the scripture is very clear that no one's going to boast, no one's going to stand before God and say, I have arrived. Lord, you deserve to have me over here. I've done X, Y, and Z things, and so now I've accumulated enough good works to get there. The person, the person who rejects the grace of God and the plan of God through Jesus Christ, the Bible says that person has fallen from grace. And it could be the most moral-looking person you've ever seen. Goes to church every Sunday, ties, and in his mind, he does no wrong. You see the difference? There is a difference. In other words, without God pouring out his mercy and grace on us, when the scripture is very clear that all have sinned and all fall short of God's glory, glory standards. And what we all deserve is eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God, <laughs> gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Without God pouring out his grace on us, we'd all be. Doomed. And what's true spiritually is also true practically in our lives, in our hearts, and in our homes. Discipline is good and necessary, but if grace does not richly abound in your homes toward each other, toward your family, toward your children, your house is in trouble. You need both sides of the coin. You need discipline but we also desperately need God's grace. Come on, somebody. But let's be clear. Grace is not the same thing as tolerance. In today's culture, they get this twisted all the time. Tolerance means to tolerate, accept, or to put up with, and they equate applied grace with tolerance of anything and everything. You're supposed to be someone who, who is a Christian, and, and, and you've you heard the term. How often have you heard that? Don't judge me. You're judging me for my behavior. Listen to me. Jesus didn't tolerate everything and anything. Jesus had things to say about hey, A lot of stuff that was going on that the religious people of the day were just not doing right. And so grace and tolerance aren't the same. The book of Titus tells us what grace applied will look like in our lives and what it will do, the effect it will have on us. Listen to me. It says in Titus chapter 2, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to who? To, say, say to everybody. The grace has appeared to everybody. Who it appeared through? Through Jesus Christ, right? And so it has appeared to everybody, and it teaches us. What, what does grace teach us? To say no to what? to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live what? Self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. second, the Rick. I thought thought grace meant we can do whatever we want. No! That's not what grace means. When God pours out his grace on you, it's not for us to continue (laughs) in the things that Jesus died to set us free from. And Paul was accused of teaching that because here he had a whole system out there, the Jewish laws, we say 10, there's over 600 of them, and everything was what to do, what not to do, what to touch, what not to touch, where to go, what not to go, and all these laws and rules and regulations. And Paul comes along, and Jesus comes along and says, no one is going to be justified by following those laws because you can't. We can't pass 10 of them. Who's always honored their father and their mother? Who's never looked at somebody with lust in their eyes? Who's always told the truth? We would all, listen, if God were to judge us just from those three, where would we go? And so the Lord does not save anybody. The Lord condemns you. But it's still good because the law shows us our need Amen. for grace. <laughs> so Paul was accused of preaching license, which is license to sin. In Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, he responds, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? What was his response? Come me out. Say it out loud. Like, I mean, just pretend that you're with me this morning. Come on. Of course not. He says, of course not. Since why we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, someone say baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. And so oftentimes, as a matter of fact, in two weeks, we're going to have a baptism service. So when, whenever I do a baptism service, we, we tell the people what the Word of God says. Why are we baptized? Well, because Jesus, upon his ascension, turned and he said, go and make disciples of all men, uh, teaching them to obey and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and when we look at the baptism, you'll actually hear me say it. I'll ask him, have you accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord? Yes. Are you going to do your best to follow him by his grace all the days of your life? Yes, I will. And then I say, well, it's it's my honor then to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with him in baptism. The moment you went down, it's symbolic of death to the old life, (laughs) right? And so the Bible says in that moment, and this is your public witness, by the way. This is more so than raising your hand and walking the altar. The Bible talks about... Follow me in believers' baptism. If you have not yet done that, sign up and let's get that done. Bury them in baptism. When you go under the water, you're saying, I declare my old life is over, and rage with him in newness of life. Come on, somebody. And so that's the symbolism. We now live new lives. And so ultimately, grace applied doesn't give us a license to sin, nor does it tolerate it or overlook it, It acknowledges that there's sin by calling it what it is. It's not a lifestyle choice, okay? It's not, you know, what we call it today. Call sin, sin, all right? And repent of it. And it teaches us to say no to it, to say no to it. Why? Because unchecked sin in our lives can and does a lot of damage to ourselves, our psyche, our family. The Bible talks about that. Uh, Sin will cause problems in our lives. Again, it's the very reason Jesus went to the cross, suffered, and died. Now, did he do that just so we can stay comfortably wallowing or stuck in it? No. He did that so that we can experience God's forgiveness and be set free of it. For whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? Can can I get a witness? Anybody? (laughs) Walking in. You are not the man you were before you became a Christian. You are not the woman you were before you became a Christian. God has set you free. And God has called you and he's let you know these certain things. I'm giving you my grace it, it's, it's the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. It's that same principle. Dragged before Jesus because of her sin, demanding Jesus, a crowd ready to kill her. The, the, the law says, Moses says, if a person is caught in adultery, let, they should be stoned. What say you? And of course, they s- said that to try to catch him in some kind of thing. If He just said, don't, don't do it. Uh, he's trying to usurp the laws of Moses. He knew, they knew he was a gracious person. He hung out with sinners, and so he just starts writing on the ground. What? What are you doing? And they're ready. They're, 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 they're frothing at the mouth. They want to kill this woman. Now I don't want to understand today why the, the, the Bible says whoever's caught in adultery, they were supposed to be stoned back then. Could you imagine if that still happened today? Oh my goodness! But they only had the woman. What happened to the dude? I guess he, had, he, he ran faster when they busted in on him. But this woman's life is hanging in the balance. And they keep insisting, what do you say? What do you say? And he's just writing on the ground. He gets up. He says, let him, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And he just turns and he starts, bends back down and starts writing. And the Bible says literally from the oldest, they stood there, That just That just smacked them upside (laughs) down. From the oldest to the youngest. Uh, I don't think it's any mistake that it says from the oldest to the youngest. Because us old people, we know. (laughs) Right? Young people take a little while. Have I seen? sure, (laughs) sure. But they all had stones. And it says from the oldest (laughs) to the youngest, they dropped their stones and walked away. And then Jesus looked up, and it's just him and her, her and him, maybe the disciples. He said, woman, where are your accusers? Did anyone condemn you? Now, mind you, there was one person in that crowd that could have cast the stones. Who was it? Jesus. There's one person without sin, and he didn't throw any stones. Where are your accusers? Did anyone condemn you? No, my Lord, neither do I condemn you. And he didn't leave it there. He said, what did he say next? Go and sin no more. I've given you grace. I've given you mercy. Not for you to jump into another adulterous affair. Don't be stupid. Stop doing the things that that could have killed you. Now, there's something greater than a physical death Because the scripture says the sin in our life has the ability to separate us totally from the Father. And without God's grace, we would all be eternally lost. And so he pours his grace upon us. Not so that we can continue in the patterns of sinful behavior. He says the same thing to us. I have forgiven you, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Put the pornography down. Get stop mistreating your wife. Get out of the adulterous affairs. Where are my single people? Stop sleeping around. He did not forgive you so you can continue to wallow in the things that he actually died to set us free from. It's getting quiet in here. Now listen to me. Biblical grace takes things even further than that, though. Listen. Someone asked, what's the difference between mercy and grace? What's the difference between mercy and grace? Well, mercy defined is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Let me say that again. Is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it's within one's power to punish or to harm. Now, God certainly is merciful to us, amen. But grace goes much further than, than just mercy, okay? Grace says the free and unmerited favor of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. The free and unmerited favor of God as manifested in salvation. Of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. I, I pull this definition right off of Google, okay? Now, unmerited favor of God means undeserved favor of God. The undeserved favor of God. So if mercy, if mercy is the guy on death row, guilty as charged and deserving to die because of his sins. And on the day of execution, the governor calls and releases a stay of execution. And he, and he, and he says, okay, I'm going to set you free. That's the definition of mercy, okay? You didn't get what you deserve, right? But grace takes that same guy, releases him from prison, listen, and treats him just as he've never sinned. It's like playing the country music songs backwards. You get your house back, your dog back, your, your car back. Come on, somebody. God, God treats you just as if you never sinned. He, he, he calls you the man of God and the woman of God you used to be. And now the favor and the blessings of God rest on you, and He treats you not like a servant in His house, but He treats you like an ear. Or child deserving all the full rights of his own children. And he lavishes you with all the blessings that go with it. He gives you purpose, he gives you provision, he gives you protection, and he gives you a plan for your life. All of which we we do not deserve, but he freely gives. Listen to me, folks. Not only, he not only gives us mercy, he gives us grace that undeserved, unmerited favor and blessing of God. Now, since God has been gracious to us, he expects us to be gracious to those around us. Come on, somebody. Especially those in our own home. Colossians 3.12 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people whom he loves, you you must clothe yourselves with tender mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the, the person who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Why be patient with the people around us? Because God's been patient with us. Why be merciful, kind, and forgiving? You can write this down because God has been merciful, kind, and forgiving to us. Amen? Now, that's the thing today. People are out there identifying as all sorts of things. There are people who are who, 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 men who are identifying as women, women who are identifying as men. There are people who are identifying as unicorns. My daughter called me up the other day and said, Dad, there's there's a guy who I, he's a 40-something-year-old man, and he's identifying as a 7-year-old girl. And some idiot family adopted him, and they have a daughter as well. Adopted him, okay? And he walks around pretending. I mean, we used to have a word for that back in the day. Mental illness. But you're going to put that around your child? So you got people identifying whatever they whatever they think of, that's what they are because they're stuck on some. And, and people, well, that's that's that's, that's this to the right. And so I suggest today, let's for the believer, let's go ahead and identify ourselves with Christ, Amen, and what Christ has done and expects from us. And He makes it clear that, that that's what He wants from us. He, And it's easier to be gracious to others when we know what God has done for us. What has he done for us? Write this down. He's chosen us. He's chosen us. Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people. Uh, What I love about adoption, most of us uh, didn't choose our parents, right? You're born to who you're born to. But to the adoptive uh, child, listen, your parents chose or choose you. Amen. Now, speaking of adoption, I, I just want to welcome our newest member into our family, Miss Summer Hope. Look at her. Yes, Summer Hope Torres. And um, one of the things that they said when we were uh, at the hearing—it was on via Zoom—it said to the. the judge turned to uh, Amanda and Eric and said, listen, are you prepared to take Summer on as one of your own children, to have all the rights and and privileges that your own children have? And they said, we are. That's what adoption does. And that's what God does for us as amen as well. Amen, right? So you are chosen. But not only that, we've been made holy and we are all dearly loved. Colossians 3, 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Holy means set apart like fine china, right? How many grew up with one of these when you were younger? The, uh, is, can we put it up there? China cabinet? Do we have, do we have that picture? How many, how many? How many have one of those? Just raise your hand. How many? Uh, keep, keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. How many still have one? Look, 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 look. More than half the hands went down. Okay, so some of you still have it. We started out with it, and we had it for years and years. Honestly, I don't know what happened to it. No, no, we don't have one. In our house. You're talking about grandma's house. Okay, okay. And she said, it's still in the house. And I remember that growing up. And what did you put in, in in that china cabinet? Come on, somebody. Did you, did you put paper plates in there? No. Come on, did you keep the plastic forks and knives in there? What did you put in there? You put the, your very best china in there. And, and, and if it came out, when it came out, when did it come out? Only on Thanksgiving, right? Christmas. I remember sitting around the table, and all of a sudden, my mama would break out the fine china. Boom. And then the forks went, so and then, and, and then we were told, no, you can't don't don't, don't cut your food like that. She, you know, <laughs> she's from a British system, <laughs> the Jamaicans. I'm just saying. And, and so we did not use paper plates and paper forks and whatever on those special occasions. Folks, the Bible makes it clear that you've been holy and set apart. You are not junk. Come on, somebody. You are chosen, holy, and dearly loved by the Father for his special use. Amen? In fact, the scripture calls you a masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. So regardless of how you feel or what you've been told in this life, scripture says you are are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God's got a plan for you, and you are his fine china. And the last thing is that we are completely forgiven, completely forgiven by him. Amen? And so here's the expectation. Since i I since come from such a privileged and highly favored place, since I'm blessed and Highly favored. Come on, somebody. I'm not just a servant in his house. I am, a, I am an heir, a joint heir. I, 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 and I have access to all that he has for his children. We've been grafted in. We're chosen, dearly loved, and made holy and forgiven. Since that is true, listen, we need to check and correct our attitude as it relates to how we're treating other people. Ephesians 4.20 it says, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the what? In the what? In the what? I, I only hear like one person. I I mean, I'm looking at a church full of people, but I'm only hearing one person. Anybody else reading this with me? (laughs) To be made new in the what? Attitude Attitude of your what? In the attitude of your minds. I call it your stinking thinking. And to put on the new self, created to be like who? Like God in true righteousness and holiness. Sometimes we got to change our attitudes. In other words, our attitude should reflect the grace that God lavished on us. And again, Colossians tells us what that mindset and attitude should look like. Since God chose you to be the holy people whom he loved, you must clothe yourself with tender mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You must make allowances for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. That's what it looks like. And that's what he expects us to clothe ourselves with. Uh, many of you uh, know that I, I, you know, I come from a, a Caribbean background. I'm Jamaican. And when my mama was, uh, I have two brothers. And when we were young, my mother used to dress us in matching clothes. Anybody been there like that? Can you tell which one is me? Which one? Who said the middle? Who? Who says the one to the your left? Who says the one to the right? To the right. To the right. <laughs> the little one is my little brother, although he's a little bigger than me now. And I. And, and but. And the, the one to your left is my older brother. We're all about a year apart, but that's how my mom used to dress us. <laughs> and, I, and I promise you, and this, that was young, but it went on. <laughs> it went on until we got old enough to dress ourselves. <laughs> and I promise you, we never did that again. But Colossians tells us (laughs) that compassion, kindness, gentleness, and patience should be part of our everyday wardrobe, especially with each other. Amen? And it implies that it's a choice. Like the choice you made today to wear whatever you are wearing now, good or bad, you chose that outfit. Unless you're a child in the back, you chose, you know, the parents chose their stuff. But you chose your outfit. The Bible wants us to choose to be gracious with the people around us. And while you're at it, Ephesians 4.31 says, while you're putting some things on, I want you to take some things off. We talked about this before. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words. And slander as well as all as well as all types of malicious behavior and again he reminds us again instead be kind to each other tender-hearted forgiving one another just as God through Christ Jesus forgave you to me that's grace the message says it this way make a clean break with all cutting backbiting profane talk be gentle with one another sensitive Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. And so he says the same things to the Roman church, uh, the church in the city of Rome. He says the same things to the, the, the church in Ephesians, the, the, the Ephesus. He says the same things to the church in the Colossians. And how many you know he's saying the same things to the church in Fort Lauderdale? It's the same thing. And that's beautiful. Be tenderhearted. Be sensitive. Are you tenderhearted and sensitive toward your wife, toward your children, your husband? If the answer is yes, then praise the Lord. You're doing well. But if not, the answer is why not? Christians should be the most sensitive, tenderhearted folks out there because that's what God has done for us. And it's potentially transformative. I, i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm gonna to treat the people in my life, especially in my home, the way God wants to be treated. I'm gonna treat the people who walk through those doors the way God wants me to treat them. Come on, somebody. Do you think that will make a difference in their lives? When they don't feel like they're condemned that that you know you're not dressed right, you're not, I mean, I was preaching in Jamaica one time and and at some point, the was people standing outside looking outside. The, the windows and I saw some of the ushers trying to shoo some people away because some of the uh, like people were coming to listen and I'm like what are you doing I have to pull them aside what are you doing yeah, these are dread people and I said I don't care what they are if God is drawing them to hear the word of the Lord you don't shoo them away because God is drawing them come on somebody and so we're going to have those choices in here People are not going to, may not look the way we look or, or sound the way we sound or dress the way we dress or whatever. We are going to be loving and gracious and forgiving and kind. Come on, somebody. Amen? Amen. And so instead of being difficult with my wife or, or, or my family, I am going to show God's love. Now, Pastor Rick, what if he or she doesn't deserve it? I mean, the people in your life, I mean, they just get on your last nerve. What if they don't deserve it? Newsflash. Neither did we. God doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what we need. And not just his mercy, but his wonderful grace. And then Paul concludes, forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave You. Man, there would be, you know how many church splits wouldn't happen if people just applied God's word in this area? They offended me, she said this, they said that. Well, forgive them. You know how many marriages would still probably be together today, you know? How many wars we could avoid if we just take God's word and apply them to our lives? Quickly and thoroughly, just as Christ forgave us. Now, what does forgiveness look like? Psalms 103, and I'm coming to an end. It says this in 11 11 and 12. It says, as high as the sky is above the earth, so great is his love for those who honor him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sins from us. And so, if you want to know how much God loves you, loves those who honor Him, just look up, especially at nighttime, as high as the skies above the earth. That's how great His love is toward us. Now, listen to me. There are times, there are times when I think of my own shortcomings and my own failures from my past, because the enemy brings it up, or people might bring it up. And then he tries to heap shame on you because of it. But let me assure you something. If you have asked God's forgiveness and that thing went under the blood, it's under the blood. Amen? God doesn't forget it. doesn't remember. He says, as far as the east is from the west, does he cast our sins. Now, I don't think that was a a typo. He could have said as far as the north is from the south. And we have this thing called the North Pole and the South Pole, right? And so if you were to, you can measure the north from the south. He didn't say that. He said as far as the east is from the west. Folks, if you start walking east, is there a time where you're going to start eventually going west? You will always walk east. And if you start walking west, is there a time where you'll eventually start going east? It's not true with north and south. You can walk north and eventually you start heading south. He says, I take your sins and I cast them as far as the east is from the west. Never to remember them again. Once forgiven, you are forgiven. He, he, his, his answer to you is literally, well, what, I did this. Uh, you remember when I said? He says, "Well, what sin?" Because He's restored you completely. You know, he brought you into His family. You don't have to constantly be running to the to the to the altar for your salvation. Now you can ask God's forgiveness when you mess up. He says, "Confess your sins." He's faithful and just, forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And he says, "Confess your sins one to another," but that's not an issue of. Uh, Losing your salvation. God is not an Indian giver. (laughs) What he's given, he's given. And that's why my my salvation, your salvation is secure. It's not because we're good. It's because God is good. Amen. And a good, good God has poured out not just his mercy, on us, but he's poured out his grace. And in pouring out his grace, he says, I want you to go and do likewise, especially to those around you. If you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord, listen, it's not difficult. I'm not going to tell you, you know. There are some people who think it's about how good they are, and you've got to come to church and you've got to do all these other things to meet the requirements of God. The Bible says it's by grace you've been saved, and this not of yourself. It is a gift. What have you done to earn a gift? I just gave my wife flowers. I, okay, she earned those 35 years. <laughs> Maybe that's not a good example. That's a bad illustration. <laughs> But if I handed it to her, I'm going to say, you know, those were 20 bucks. I need the money back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, no, it's a gift. If she broke out her wallet, I'd be insulted. And so in the same way, you know, the Bible says, no, this whole salvation thing is a, is a gift from me to you. And all I'm asking you to do is believe. It's by grace you've been saved through faith and this not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Not as a result of works so that no man may boast. The only boasting that's going to be going on in heaven is going to sound like this. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for letting me in. Amen? If you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord, it's not hard. He says all you have to do is to believe acknowledge that you are a sinner and you need a Savior. The person who claims they don't have sin is a lie and the truth is not in him. The The reason people don't run to Jesus is because they don't understand the desperate state that they're in. There is none righteous, no, not one. Like I already said, no one has always done the right thing. You haven't always put God first in your life. There are people who have taken God's name in vain, dishonored their parents, taken things that didn't belong to them. The lust and the the coveting and all that other stuff, all these things are are sins that that God says what we deserve is death, eternal separation from the Father. But the free gift of God, if you repent, is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And So if that's you today, and if you've not yet accepted him, it would be my privilege and my honor just to lead you in a prayer of commitment. bow our heads and close our eyes and say something like this say Heavenly Father I come before you today and I acknowledge my need for a Savior I acknowledge that I've sinned in my life while your head is bowed and your eyes closed and those who are listening online be serious whatever it is it's just you and him Tell him what you're sorry for, the things you've done, you've got yourself involved in. His grace is there for you. Forgive me, say, forgive me, Lord, for my sins. I ask you to come into my life and to come into my heart. And from this day forward, help me to live a life by your grace that's pleasing to you. Fill me with your spirit, with your power, and with your love. Help me, Lord, to clothe myself in the things you want me in my life. Kindness and patience and love. And help me, Lord, to get rid of the things you want out of my life, bitterness and anger rage, unforgiveness. And help me, Lord, to forgive those who hurt me. Today, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all say, amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed if you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.